Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to come to you again, along with the panel here, uh, uh, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah. Uh, it's always a delight for us to, to, to be with each and every one of our listeners. And we're so grateful that uh, you can take your time, as you're taking your time every day, to spend an hour or so with us, opening up the Word and 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 searching the scriptures and and allowing the word of God to speak to us. And on this Friday, we are we are delighted as we get ready to go for uh, into the weekend. We want to in advance wish every mother a happy Mother's Day. We we are blessed for the, for the mothers for your sacrifices. We are thankful for the mothers that God has given us, and also our wives, uh, the mothers of our children. And we're so grateful for each and every one of you. So we want to wish you, and uh, we look forward to being with you, Lord willing, back again with you on Monday. But uh, we are in the middle or, or, or towards the end of this Bible study that we've been on in found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And really what the Lord has been showing us uh, concerning the background of the Amalek, the Amalekites. And uh, there's so much that we have been uh, gleaning from the scriptures and so I know today uh, will not be another day. I know today uh, God has more to show us and more to confirm to our spirit. So without further ado, as always, it's a pleasure to be with you, our listeners, and to be amongst our panel. Brother Marty, I'll leave it with you at this moment. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, it's exciting to, to reach another end of the week. We've been uh, exploring some pretty amazing things that the Lord's been allowing us to talk about, and uh, we're looking forward to, to today bringing a, a, a somewhat of a close to what we've been talking about in these past three days. The command that God gave to to Saul, the king, uh, to go and smite Amalek, a specific time time that he gave him. In First in, in Samuel 15:3, he says, "Now go." So it was a specific time that had been given to him. And as we've been exploring over the last week, very much so do these events in history seem to be paralleling our day uh, as we begin to see much of the same kind of things that happened to them now beginning to unfold in our time and uh, in, in our moment of history. And so as we bring these studies to a conclusion, understand this, and we encourage the listener have your Bibles uh, to follow us along. If you haven't been with us the whole week, I suggest you go back and uh, and and review uh, so that what you're going to hear today will have a more full and complete meaning to you as as we uh, bring this to a conclusion. And understand as well uh, <laughs> what we're covering. We've in no way exhausted uh, all the spiritual truths that we can glean from these things, but. But we pray that it encourages you to dig deeper in your own private time with the Lord and in seeking what it is that he would have us all to know uh, so that we can govern ourselves in, in, in our time and, and in our moment of history according to the light of his word. So that brings us today where we're going to begin to read from, and that's in First uh, Samuel chapter 15. Brother Jeremy, could you read? First uh, Samuel 15, uh, verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11. <clears throat> then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, 
it repented me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Yes, <clears throat> and he cried unto the Lord all night. As we've been talking over the last three days, Samuel, uh, Samuel had given a command to the king and had, had commanded him to go and to smite Amalek. And, and, and Saul would go indeed and, and, and begin to, uh, to engage in battle with Amalek. But he was commanded to fully and absolutely completely destroy that nation and everything in it. And uh, including the ox and the camels and the donkeys and the sheep, you know, everything he told him to destroy. But as we've been discussing, they failed to do that. Instead of doing exactly what the Lord had commanded them to do, they failed to do it. And and instead, they did uh, have a victory and they did destroy many people and many things. But the Bible tells us in in verse eight and nine, that they they kept the king alive, and they kept the best stuff that they found in that particular uh, area where they went to to fight with the Amalekites. So they destroyed what they didn't like, but they kept the best for themselves. And when they did this, when they failed to obey the word of the Lord, and what we're going to see today in regards to that is that we believe that the Lord has been revealing some things to us that, that apply to our day. And as we go into this, we're going to see that God has a controversy with his people here in this country of the United States of America. And much of what we deal with when you listen to our podcast is of a prophetic nature, of, a, of applying the spirit and the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy to our time. We don't take our times and, and, and then try to fit them in the word, but we allow the word to reveal to us our times. Again, let me say that again. It's, it's, it's tempting many times for people to see what's happening all around them and say, oh, let's go, let's go find it in the word. But really, it's supposed to be the opposite. In our daily seeking right. of God, his word is revealed to us, and suddenly our times make sense. So it's with that spirit that we begin to speak as we're moved upon prayerfully of the Lord. So Saul and the people had failed to obey the commandment of the Lord. And as Brother Jeremy just read in verse 10, verse 10, after that failure, verse 10 begins with the word, with the word, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel. And so what we learn from this, this emphasis in the way it's written is when he says, then came the word, it's time specific. In other words, the word was revealed at the time of the failure. It wasn't revealed before. He wasn't even told what he was going to do before that they would fail. But the failure had to occur. And because it occurred, God reveals himself now to his prophet at a specific time. That's why the Bible says in verse 10, then came the word. When God brings a word into a generation, it is usually after that generation has failed to obey his voice, to obey his command. And so when he writes it in the scripture, he uses language like this to alert us to the fact that a transition and a new condition has arisen 
in the realm of the spirit as a result of the failure of the leadership and the people to fully obey the word of the Lord. So it was time specific. They had been sent. They had been commanded. They had been given instruction on exactly what to do. And they only did it part way. And the, and the reason that they only did it part way was because of their own greed, their own pride, their own arrogance. They kept the best for themselves. And when this kind of fruit was flowing through the lives of the nation and the leadership of the nation, God triggers uh, uh, an alert in Samuel's spirit and sends him a prophetic word and reveals to him what exactly had happened. The Bible tells us that God revealed several things. One, in verse 11, it says, he, he, he tells Samuel, it grieves me or it repents me that I have set up Saul to be the king. And then he says this, because he's turned his back from following me and he has not performed my commandments. So the Lord reveals two things here to Saul. The time has come. The failure has occurred. Many things have now been set in motion, both in the seen and the unseen world. And Samuel has revealed to him by the Lord that the sin of the leadership and the sin of the people was twofold, but specifically the leadership, because the leadership is that which guides the nation. And if the leadership goes in a particular way, so will the nation. And what God revealed here was concerning the leadership of Saul. Number one, he said he's turned his back on God. That's what he says. Saul has turned his back on me. He's turned back yeah. on me. And that, that, that literally means that, that when, when God uses the phrase, he's turned back, it's, it's a very uh, powerful way of communicating. And, and, and it has within it an understanding of, of the tabernacle or, the, or temple worship, if you will, even though the temple hadn't been built yet. But the priest was never supposed to turn his back uh, toward the Holy of Holies, for example. That's where the presence of God would appear over the Ark of the Covenant. And so they always walked backwards as a sign of absolute respect and worship of the Lord. So when God mm -hmm. tells Samuel, the first thing he points out to him is that he's turned back, very symbolically revealing to Samuel that the heart of the leadership, that is Saul in this case, and in our case, we're, we're seeing the same thing today. Uh, he has disrespectfully turned his back from following the commandments of God. He has, he has, in essence, shown disrespect to God. And that's why he uses that language. He says he has turned back. And then he says, from following me. It's very, very profound there because it reveals two things. A cavalier attitude to the presence and the command of God number one, and by the turning of the back from following God, it is also revealing that not only has he turned back, by doing so in the spirit, so to speak, he cannot see what direction I want to lead him. So it's a twofold thing he's revealing here. He has disrespected me, he has not, dis he has not regarded my word, and he has turned from my presence, and as a result, he's literally being led down the road of life blind and devoid of God's presence because it is God that is intending to lead his people and it is God that is de 
it is not that that tries to to reveal to the leadership they must be dependent on me if you're not led by god and you're not led by his spirit then in essence you have turned your back on him disregarded his presence and you're walking through the landscape of this world completely blind the right. second thing he's and the second thing he says after that is he's not <clears throat> performed my commandments which literally means he has not been obedient to my word so he has disrespected me he's no longer led by me and he no longer follows my word now how does samuel react to this because the reaction of samuel to hearing what god said in verse 11 is very very much how we in this hour must react to the same kind of conditions that we are witnessing in our own time it says that after the lord tells samuel this in verse 11 it says that it grieved samuel and he cried unto the lord all night when the spirit of god revealed this to samuel the very first thing that that we're told is the reaction of samuel it says he was grieved and that word grieved is really interesting because it it, it carries many meanings but primarily these two meanings Samuel became grieved. The word grieved literally means to be angry and also to be jealous. He was angry because of what was revealed to him concerning the fact that not only Saul, but the people had failed to obey the Lord at a most crucial time in their history. And he was jealous in the fact that it, it grieved the Lord who he serves. So he was angry and jealous toward the Lord's honor. Samuel was angry because he cared about the Lord's honor, and to disobey his command is to disobey and dishonor the Lord. And that is what is being revealed here. His initial reaction, what rose up within his spirit, was twofold, anger and jealousy. Jealousy towards the honor of God, He, he as a protector, if you will. Of the Lord whom he serves and so number two he cried all night to the Lord that word cried literally means to shriek or to call out in anguish or in danger but all of it's mixed together he cried out in deep intercession to God with a yes. deep anguish and and a revelation if you will is that the ramifications of the behavior of the leadership and the congregation not only caused a deep moving of his spirit in despair and anguish over them, but also understanding in that presence of, uh, in, in being in the presence of the Lord that night, as God had revealed to him what he had revealed to him, that danger, great danger would be ahead as a result. Now, like in Samuel's time, uh, we need to recognize we've reached a similar moment of crisis in our time and and we need to be ready in my opinion to respond at the same time in the in in the spirit of the lord to the very moment we find ourselves in we see this kind of a of an attitude in the lord right jesus that same kind of anguish that same kind of anger that same kind of jealousy over god's presence spirit command so forth and so on when the lord came into jerusalem and he cleansed the temple, right? It said he was grieved in his heart. He sat down, he made a whip, 
and he cleansed the temple and 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 the gospel writers identified it with a prophetic move of god as it was written in the psalms that thy zeal, the zeal of thy house has consumed me right it's the spirit of christ that's flowing through samuel it is the spirit of the lord that is flowing through a remnant in this hour that is just like samuel if we're not being moved to action by what we see taking place in our time right now if we're not being moved to intercede and cry out to God for what we have seen over these last 10, 20, and 30 years and where we are right now, something is very wrong if it doesn't move you, if it doesn't stir you. Understand that this is a connection that Samuel demonstrates here, a connection of a very high level of, of discernment and sensitivity in the spirit. This cultivated lifetime of walking with God. Samuel was sensitive as a child as we began this week, for he heard the voice of the Lord as a child. And God revealed himself when he was about 12 years old to him. And at the same time, God revealed himself in the same manner that he revealed himself when he was little. He reveals himself here again, only as a fully grown, mature, prophetic a person in the Lord, the prophet of the Lord. It speaks of a very deep connection. It's a higher level that we're talking about here because it's not enough to be grieved in the spirit by what he saw. It's not enough even to cry out to the Lord. It's the manner in which you're grieved. It's the manner in which you cry out that connects you to the discernment and the sensitivity of what it is that God is revealing. See, the failure of Saul and the people, etc., uh, it produced a deep awareness in Samuel, an awareness that things in the spirit realm, um, how do I say it, uh, uh, because of their disobedience, had caused a change in the, in the mode of the way that things were going. Things were being accelerated, if you will. They were being moved forward in the spirit because of their failure to obey the Lord. And But I want to look even deeper at this. I don't want to hurry through this because this is really important. I, I want to reflect deeper on Samuel. And, his, and the Bible says in verse 11, it says he cried all night. I want to reflect on that intercession, on his grief. I want to reflect on the cry uh, that he made to the Lord because it reveals something. And it also begins to train us in our time for what we see taking place in our country and amongst the Judeo-Christian society that we are living in, or that purports to be Christian, right? Listen, when he prayed, like we said, two things were revealed, both anger and sadness. And what's profound uh, about this to me, brothers, is, is it reveals the heart of a true intercessor, what intercession is really about. Because it reveals it reveals two things. It reveals that he's in unity with the Lord in what the Lord revealed, because the Lord was angry at the leadership and angry at the congregation of Israel for failing to obey his command. And the command that he gave was not just any old command. It was to deal with that ancient spirit of Amalek, a foreshadow of the spirit of Antichrist that we've been discussing all week long. And and when 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 they failed at the crucial moment to obey and fulfill the command of the Lord, 
Samuel is alerted by the Spirit of God, he is incredibly at a high level of spiritual walk. He's not anywhere near the battle. He's not anywhere near witnessing what's happening. But in the Spirit, he was so sensitive to these things that God was able to alert him. And at the same time, the reaction of his being alerted to the failure of, of of the current congregation and leadership of his day, represented by Saul and the congregation, it produced within him a reaction that was both angry and sad. And what the Lord was telling me this morning is that the true intercessor, he understands and 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 is developed by the Spirit of, of the Lord over a lifetime and consistent walk of prayer, intercession, and deep reflection in the things of God, not only for himself, not only for his family, but for his community and his nation at large. And the true intercessor both reveals this. He reveals what Samuel reveals to us is his unity with the Lord's anger and and the perfect assessment of what the Lord revealed to him actually had happened. But it also reflects the quality of, of the Lord's Christ or the spirit of Christ Jesus in Samuel as it should be in us in our intercession. Remember what God told Paul. He said that that God has sent forth the spirit of his dear son in your heart, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I think that's Galatians 4.18. And then there's another scripture where Paul reveals, I can't remember exactly where it is right now, but I can quote it to you, where when he's travailing, he's talking to the Galatians, and he says to them, I'm travailing in birth again for you. You know, and, and though I'm absent in the body, he said, I'm beholding you in the spirit. These are developments in the spirit of the, in the heart of the believer, in the consecration of the believer, in the deeper parts of our walk with God that we see reflected in Samuel. And the reason I'm mentioning it in this way is because the Lord has, has begun to reveal to us that our times are exactly the same. In this, that we have a leadership that has failed to obey the Lord completely, and we have congregations that have, have, have gathered the best of the world and have allowed the spirit of Amalek to abide right in the middle of their, of their ministries, their congregations, and, and, and of their leadership, just like in the days of Samuel. And the question is, do you recognize it, and can you hear it? And do you understand that, that a definitive moment in the unfolding of prophetic history has indeed come to rest on the very doorsteps of our own consecrated walk before the Lord? And are we quick enough to, to, to observe it? And do we react precisely with an excellence of mature response as Samuel did? Because it was both anger and sadness. It's one thing to be angry over the compromise and the foolishness that we see, but do we also have the capacity within that anger to have merged together with it a deep abiding sadness and a deep uh, lament over what we have seen transpire and what the nation has actually come to, both in its leadership and in those that claim to be the people of God? So the true intercessor reveals both his unity with the Lord's anger and perfect assessment, but he also reflects the quality of the spirit of the Lord Jesus in his heart because he also intercedes in sadness. That's what verse 11 reveals at the end there when it says, he cried all 
night. It reminds me a lot like uh, Moses, when God said he was going to destroy the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness, Moses is moved and, and, uh, and intercedes over Israel to spare them. You know, we see that intercessor's heart. Though Moses was angry and sided with God, yet he had mixed within him that same sadness and intercession and quality of intercession for the people, which spared them for another 38 years in the wilderness, centuries before this. And here we see Samuel in verse 11 standing in the gap for the people and for the king. But when the morning arrives, right, we now know that Samuel had received the Lord's sentence. He was willing to tarry before the Lord. See, this is an art that has not been taught to this generation. This is the quality of spiritual maturity and development that is necessary. And that if you walk with God and you truly seek God, not out of sense of religious duty or obligation, but truly out of a transformed depth of gratitude and understanding and transcendent elevation. I know those are famous, uh, I mean, uh, uh, fancy words, but, but I, know, I know no other way to describe what I'm trying to reveal here as we see it in the scripture, as the Lord reveals it to us. There is a quality of, of, of relinquishing of the will of the soul in order that the presence of the Lord can penetrate beyond just mere thought or information gathering in things that are spiritual. It is the depth of the working of the Spirit of God within the quality of the hidden part, as David referred to it, where we are uh, in, in dire need and desperate need of having the Spirit of God revealed to us at the depth of our being, His wisdom and truth in the inward part. That's what David is talking about. Such moving of the Spirit, Paul describes as the effectual working of his mighty power on the inside of me. It is the quality and the essence of the eternal Spirit, the very Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. And it's in there that the, the, the machinations, if you will, the intricate spiritual uh, framing of the individual soul that has been worn by the blood of Jesus, cleansed and born again, that that transformative presence of God begins to move us and change us into the express image of his dear son. And when that begins to happen, we are then begun, uh, beginning to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as we go forward in the Lord, we become mature vessels in him, even as Samuel, who started as a child, but in his diligent consecration to God, reaches a point at a crucial, precise moment in the history of his generation where he was so sensitive by this point and at such a high level that he's able to stand in the gap, not only for himself, but for a ruling leadership and a compromised congregation. And by tearing all night, he reflects a spiritual maturity that is able to rise before the sun and be before yes. God in such an intimacy that he can hear directly from the Spirit. Not kind of, not I think he's saying this, but he knows exactly the will of God. 
And this is so much more vital than at any other time in our history that we understand the signs of the times that we're living in, the condition of the church, its true assessment as revealed to us by God, and how we are to conduct ourselves now, because these things are being brought to a head. There is a time that the Bible decrees in the book of Revelation that we are to come out from among them, my people, touch not the unclean thing, that you receive not of her plagues uh, or partake in her sins. What was actually transpiring here and this crucial moment of the history of his generation and the failure of the leadership of Saul and the corruption of the congregation as a whole brought it to a definitive point of breaking in the spirit where everything was about to be changed. And so by the time the morning arrived, Samuel, uh, he has received the Lord's word, the Lord's sentence. Understand that in prayer and intercession of this kind, uh, the intercessor becomes a channel. He becomes like a conduit by which the times and the seasons and the purposes of God are established. And, and, and it comes forth in connection with God because that's how God set it up. So that what God desires and what God decrees in any time, in any generation, in any historical moment, in any season, that God's purposes will and must be established in the earth according to his will. It is incredibly profound and deep. It is it, The implications are incredible. And it's something that we better grow into now, brothers, in this time, mm -hmm. or we're in deep trouble. Now, Samuel rises from his, his all-night encounter with the Lord, and, and now he begins to go forth. Can you read verse 12, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and is gone about, and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. What we see here is that after this all-night uh, encounter with the Lord, where much was revealed, not only not only what was going to happen in the immediate, but what was what was going to be the result of it and what it was leading to, which is the anointing of a different king. But what I was as I was reading and reflecting on this again this morning, um, it, it was interesting because it, it, it's very familiar to how uh, the, the judgment came on Eli's house. Right, At, God appeared to Samuel when he was little. And and all night he dealt with Samuel, right? And it says if you go back and read it in First Samuel, uh, that where he he has God reveals Himself to him. I think it's chapter three. And then and then he he's up early in the morning, and he and he has to come to Eli and pronounce judgment, right? It's familiar. It's like the Eli incident. You know, he was up all night. He was talking with the Lord. And then he receives the word of the Lord and he rises early. And remember, we started this week talking about he was witness to the judgment of two houses, the house of Eli, the house of Saul, one representing the compromised spiritual leadership. And in Saul's case, representing the political military and and corruption of the nation as a whole. He witnessed them both and he prophesied the destruction of them both. And like Samuel, I believe we have a remnant in this hour that has a commission to go and to confront this Saul-like church of today. 
and, and, and you better make sure you're going in, in the anointing and the will of the Lord and that you have heard the Lord. What I'm talking to you about right now is not going to be understood by, by those that, that aren't familiar with, with this level of pursuit of God, which qualifies you to stand in the authority in the name of God uh, and to bring about the will of God by the very declaration of the word of God. And that's what Samuel goes to do. But as he goes forward, like like Brother Jeremy was just reading in verse 12, what do we see? Number one, what we see is that Samuel has to go find Saul, like we talked about yesterday. Saul is like today's Saul. This is very symbolic of Saul avoiding the prophetic word of God or the guidance of God. Why? Because this is a corrective pronouncement. And like today's Saul, Saul of the past, he didn't want to hear any corrective word. He didn't even want to be anywhere near Samuel. Samuel was supposed to meet him, but Saul was, uh, you know, strangely absent, right? Uh, but but what did Samuel see in his journey to, to go find Saul? Let me just camp there for a moment, brothers, because God is moving by his spirit. And he's moving upon a remnant of people in our time. Who, who who have cried out to God uh, in lament over what we have seen in the disobedience of the current leadership and the compromise of the current congregation. And he's going to send you out there. He's going to send us with his word. And, and, and you're going to find that even up till now, but it's going to be even more greater than it has ever been, when the word comes forward, they're not going to want to hear it. They're, they try every way they can to avoid it. Samuel goes looking for Saul, and he can't find him. He's trying to avoid that authority of God in his life. He's trying to avoid what would ultimately be a corrective and judgmental word coming down on his house. On his way to find Saul, what does he see? Can you read that again, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, he was told that uh, he was told it was told to Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set him up a place and is gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. It's incredible what he did on his on his way to find Saul. First of all, Saul is absent. He doesn't want anything to do with Samuel. And, 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 and he's so cavalier about it. And he's so flush with pride after his great victory, pseudo victory, that the Bible reveals to us that he sets himself up a place, interestingly so, on Carmel, right? On the mountain of Carmel, uh, which we don't have time to get in today, but it would be a few short years later where Elijah would come and confront the false prophets of Baal on that very mountain of Carmel. Saul sets himself up a place, and, and, and really that, that word place and setting himself up a place, if you, if you do a little research, you'll see that what he had actually done was set up a monument to himself and to his victory. He went and actually constructed like this monument, this idol. In the Hebrew, it, it, the term is hand, but it means strength. It means one's own strength. And so he was literally... Uh, setting up a monument to himself. And it really, it, it harkens to our time, to me today. It's like today's ministries, right? There's no humility. 
and they've erected these huge buildings. They place their names on it, you know, brother so-and-so's great exalted ministries of the earth, you know, whatever. You know, they even name <laughs> Bibles after themselves, don't they? Right? They even put their own names on the Bibles, you know. And, and, and what this reflected in Saul was an incredible pride, just like the ministries today. They, they've built it's, their it's, ministry. It's, great, it's like a, they built their own tabernacles. That's what it really means um, yeah. to themselves. Kind of like what the three disciples uh, try to do uh, with Moses uh, and Elijah um, when True. Jesus, in the Mount of Transfiguration, remember? And the Lord, yes. the Lord said, so yes. we, see, we see the same attitude even in the disciples of Jesus Christ, but um, I think this is taking it to another level, what Saul did here. Um, if we really, really begin to study it, uh, he wasn't just relaxing and, you know, as they say, just hanging out in this area. No, it, 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 he was building something uh, for himself, you know, which, yeah. which was an indication of the pride that, that yeah. had uh, arisen in his life. So. And 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 that's that's right. And and you look at the testimony here. Samuel goes early in the morning looking for him. He's not there. And and it was told Samuel that Saul came here and he built a monument to himself. It is it is as if Samuel is the eyes of God. He's like both Christ and prophet and priest all at the same time here. And and he's witnessing what he's seeing. And I don't know if you have eyes to see or not uh, out there listening, but in case it's gone by your vision, we have witnessed the greatest display of the flesh in that which purports to be the church and the leadership of the church of Jesus Christ in our nation over the last 10, 20, 30 years, even longer, really. In the 80s, when those big evangelists were building these big campuses and giant churches and their names are all over everything, multiple of them, and even the lesser ministries, even they, all reproducing their name on their ministries, their name on their Bibles, their books, their tapes, everything is about themselves. They construct this major altar like, or this major monument to themselves, just like Saul did. And and all it does is produce a testimony that drew attention to themselves. That's what that was the testimony given to Samuel, right? He came here, and he built something to himself. <laughs> right, right, and, right. And, and, and and so Saul had he set up he set up a monument for himself. It's like I said, it's like today's ministers. There's no humility. They erect they've erected huge buildings placing their names on the outside of them. I keep hammering on this so that maybe someone will go, oh, yeah, that is what they do, isn't it? Brother Big Ministries or, or you know, the, the, the final word and everything, you know, I mean, that, whatever, you know, so-and-so's Bible. You know, they put their names on the word of God, and they can't even realize just how blind they truly are to how far they've fallen from the humility that they began in. But God sends Samuel by the Spirit first to see this, and and He has He has sent His Spirit amongst His remnant in this hour, and says, "Go and look and see what they've done, for they have erected monuments to themselves, 
they have erected uh, uh, testimonies of the of the working of their own hand, their own greed, their own pride, and they've gone about it says and passed on, and they go down to Gilgal. That is where Samuel finds them. Can you read verse twelve again, brother Jeremy? Yes. And when and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told to Samuel saying. Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and is gone about, and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. He's gone down to Gilgal. So where does Samuel find them? He finds them at Gilgal. I was reading a a, a little commentary on this today, this very account, uh, by brother, uh, I think his name's Alfred, his first name's Alfred, last name Erdeshine. He wrote in the mid 1800s and and when he was describing what we're talking about today uh I, I just had to write it down and quote what he wrote when samuel found saul and the people he finds them at gilgal and this is what he wrote he said samuel came and he found that they had returned to gilgal as if in his infatuation with himself he had intended to present himself in that place of so many sacred memories without conscience, before the Lord his God, whose express command he had just daringly and blatantly set aside. That is what mm. happened. Remember, we've been talking about this all week, that Gilgal is a very sacred place. It is the place where the children of Israel entered into the promised land, led by Joshua. It is from there that they would have that first a Passover meal in the promised land before they would go and, and begin to take the land, starting with the destruction of Jericho. It is a holy place. It is the place of of where God would bring a whole generation into the promised land to inherit the promises he had given by his covenant he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a sacred place. But understand this. Uh, they had reached the point much like the false compromised church of today, where they were beyond conviction. Look at the picture here, brothers. Saul has brought Agag, the personification of Antichrist in our time, the the very spirit of the devil. And we don't got time to get into Amalek because that we've already covered it for two days. But he brings that king, Agag, with him. And he brings all the goods, the best of the spirit of the world, along with the compromised congregation that he led, and brings that all of this right to the place that was symbolic of the great history of, 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 of their nation, where Joshua himself, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, had begun leading them into the promised land. They come to this place in their gross and blatant rebellion and they are now comfortable being there and in a way it's reflection of how they were beyond even being convicted by all that wow. they saw around them they had not obeyed they kept the best of amalek for themselves they like i said they had agag in the midst of their congregation they were blind to how far they had crossed the line, man. 
And Saul and them, they had no clue that the truth of the matter is it was over for them. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was so vital and so important. Like we've talked about, it was their failure to to deal with the Amalekites, and we've talked to you about it the last two days. Those of you that are listening, go back and listen if you haven't heard who Amalek really was, and why how egregious it was that they kept the king, the personification of Satan himself, because these Amalekites weren't just any old tribe, like we said. These were the offspring of the devil himself, the bloodline of the priesthood of the Canaanites and the Horites, those who carried with them the traditions of that dark culture that had existed before the destruction of the Nephilim and the world that then was in the times of Noah. And so it comes to this point where the command was to destroy it all. And they failed to do so. And rather than just fail to do so, they took the best of that spirit of the age, the spirit of the wicked one, and what he offers, and they brought it into their own congregation. And they brought the leadership, the personification of the spirit of it, right into the middle of the nation. And they went to the holiest place at that time of their nation, and they camped right there and celebrated it all without conviction in their heart. Brother Marty. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's interesting, too, that wasn't it Gilgal where Saul was made king? Yes, absolutely. Many, many things and, happened there. You know, and that's exactly where he goes back, you know? Yes. Another thing Another thing I wanted to point out as, as we were speaking, as you were speaking, Brother Marty, on the, uh, you know, many ministry, ministries today erecting their um, <laughs> their their tabernacles, right? It's mm-hmm. interesting that that in this hour, obviously the same thing is going on, but we are so blinded by it that we cannot see what God is doing right now. Instead, yes. ministries today are upset, are frustrated, venting their frustrations, you know, because they got to keep this machine going. They got to keep right. these ministries going. They got to keep, you know, we are being uh, stopped from doing the work of God, right? Uh, our ministries are needed right now, and and we are not getting the fact that God is saying the very opposite, right? You're in this right. hour, instead of instead of repenting and saying, "I don't want your sacrifices, Saul," I don't want, you know, because and, and and I'm sure you'll deal with it later on when when he he wants Samuel to come and join him, right? Right. And bring sac. Blessed be the Lord who gave us this victory. But you're not watching that that the kingdom has been stripped from you because of your disobedience. And in the same thing, you know, the question that I ask, what is the rush with all these ministries and trying to get back? Are we not have we not learned our lesson? You know, we're fighting God. We have become blinded that, you know, and we cannot see it that we have erected kingdoms and tabernacles with our names, with our ministries, thinking it's of God. So I just wanted to point point that out brother marty no and that's really good because if you remember way back when when we first the lord had us first begin these podcasts i think it was back on march 19th as we went into the lazarus effect and we talked about what we believed god was going to do as we come out of this 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 initial lockdown of the pandemic we said two things were going to happen there was going to be a church emerge out of it 
that will have had their lives resurrected, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, as did Lazarus. And we talked about that bunch would be comprised of Simon, who had been healed of leprosy, Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead, Martha and, and Mary, the great worshiper at the feet of Jesus. But we said also coming out of that, out of that Passover season, out of this pandemic that we've been through and the releasing of the restrictions, we saw also reflected metaphorically again uh, in, in, in the fact that 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 what happens out of it is that the church of that time became even more corrupt and turned on the on the Lord, ultimately leading to his crucifixion. Remember, we talked about that. We yes, talked about yes. how how that worship that was being birthed under under a, a season of, of 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 death, if you will, that occurred just before the Passover. We talked about the symbolism of it all that it is that very act of the coming together of this Lazarus, Martha, Mary, Simon, uh, kind of believer, remnant church. And again, I emphasize metaphorically for those <laughs> out there right. that don't understand what I'm saying, uh, that, that we would see a Judas-like church merge itself with a backslidden establishment church. Remember, Judas from that point on goes and joins himself seeking how he might betray the Lord, which would ultimately lead to his trial and his crucifixion. So in the spirit of what you're saying, Brother Jeremy, that's exactly what we see here as well, is that this failure to obey, this failure to execute uh, true spiritual righteousness within the land, uh, resulting in a compromise of leadership and the congregation itself, not only just compromising, but fully embracing the satanic, whether they realize it or not, in, represented by keeping Agag alive and taking all his best stuff, and, and taking it for their own possession, all of that is what we believe we're going to witness, like you said earlier, because what we have right now, a push in this nation amongst the compromised establishment elite in the religious circles and their congregations, which are reflective of the fruit of their own darkness of their heart and compromise mm -hmm. and, 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 and the pseudo gospel they've been preaching for the last 20 or 30 years, we're going to see a church emerge out of this that is either going to be one of the two. They're going to be like Samuel or they're going to be like Saul and his bunch. And and I think that's what we're seeing is a separation and a dividing. Because when Samuel finally shows up in verse 13, 14, and 15, he begins to confront Saul. And even though Saul is uh, uh, being confronted, as you, you'll read in 13 through 15, and I, I don't want to run out of time here, but you can read that, he begins to tell Samuel uh, just like today's leaders, we've done everything the Lord has asked us to do, you know, right? Like you were just saying, we, we, we've obeyed the Lord, you know. Uh, right. The only thing is we've, we've kept the best but, of the world, you know, so we can offer it to God, right? But, <laughs> that's the, the famous but, right? <laughs> yeah, because that's what they say in verse 15, right? And then Saul says, they've brought uh, them from the Amalekites, all these sheep and stuff they were supposed to kill, Right. For the people, spare, the people, he deflects, right? He doesn't want to take responsibility for his own failure, so he puts it on somebody else. It's just like today. Yeah. So he, he yeah. says, it's yeah. the people. He says, the people spared the best of the sheep and of the ox so that, so that we could, they, they phrase it in, in holy language, right? So that we can sacrifice unto the Lord your God and the rest. But, but we actually, we, we killed the rest. We just kept the, we just kept the best for God. Yeah. That's a lie, right? They refuse to repent. They refuse to acknowledge their error. They refuse to acknowledge their sin. Now, 
because we're so far removed from these events, understand, brethren, you're talking about God's king on the earth and the only people on the earth who know God. And you're talking about his prophet. So understand, if you've ever sensed the presence of God magnified a thousand times, and that's what you have in the atmosphere around these events, as God's prophet, who was dedicated to God from his birth, before he was ever born, he was dedicated to God. Here he stands as a fully mature prophet of God, full of the word of God, fresh off of crying out to God all night and, and interceding coming now to pronounce a word that God has compelled him to go and pronounce over the leadership in the congregation. And that even up under this word, they begin to make excuse, much like today. They call us extreme. They call us legalistic. They call us clothesline. Yeah. They call us a whole list of things, right? Because they don't want to acknowledge that they're false leaders, they're compromised people, and they don't obey the voice of the Lord. So right in the middle, brother, Mar brother Marty, yeah, um, it says that it says that Saul, um, when when Samuel showed up, he says, "What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen? These are sacrificial animals." Right. And and what 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 the false church today is doing is preaching a false uh, sacrificial or message of the cross kind of message because mm. it's mixed in with an Amalekite spirit. And it's a <laughs> false cross. It's a false. <laughs> yes, it is. It, that's why you have a lot of these preachers on TV now preaching a grace message. Right. right? They're, 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 that Jesus paid it all. We don't have to do anything. We just rest on the finished work. Well, yes, correct. But there is, something that we are supposed to do we are to abstain from from the works of the flesh we, we are to uh we have a responsibility now if ever we had a responsibility we have a greater responsibility today in the new covenant because of the price right. that jesus paid so by by him keeping these sacrificial animals um what he was doing it, it, he was putting forth a false gospel message he was saying look i have sacrifices to give to the lord but it's not the right kind of sacrifice yeah it's not the right absolutely. kind of message and so, you're right right there what you said about the right kind of sacrifice because remember these uh oxen and sheep were were the finest they were actually dedicated and had been anointed, if you will, to offer to the demon gods of the Amalekites. Exactly, exactly. All right? And so they thought they could actually bring that to the Lord. We'll just sprinkle right. a little grace over it, right? It, 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 it <laughs> you know, and it'll be acceptable to God. Are you kidding me? Well, yes, yes, exactly. Well, see, Israel was to become a nation to be an example to the heathen nations of right. the true worship of God. Yeah. And so by sparing and 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 defiling, so that's the word is to use the sacrifices. You know, we were becoming like them, and and Israel had been called, and and the responsibility had been put up upon the king to follow and obey the commandments of God. Why? To be an example to the heathen nations. 
Isn't it interesting, yes. symbolically speaking, when Jesus comes in his ministry and he comes into the temple, right? And how does he find it? If he finds him selling all these things that are used for the sacrifice that we're talking about, right? And right. he reminds them. I like the way Mark says it, and I'll let you guys comment on it. But he says, and he taught, saying unto them, it is, isn't it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. And so we see here that from its origins, God chose Israel to be an example of the true God to all the surrounding heathen nations. That's why God had to judge them severely, starting with the leadership, which was Saul. Right. And, so, and what you said there is really, both of you, is really good to point out. And that is this, is that they spare the best of the sheep, verse 15, and the ox. And he says, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. See, Samuel would go on to say that, that, that what you've done is like witchcraft, and what you've done is like idolatry, the rebellion, right? To obey is better than sacrifice, he says. But, but what it represents is what happens when we compromise. See, yeah. They they immediately turn the, the conversation. When Samuel's confronting Saul here, he turns the conversation and tries to take his disobedience and 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 then clothe it in in some pseudo religious act. Oh, actually we're gonna take it and, and dedicate it to the Lord. That's why you see a lot of these guys, man, in, in right. these mega churches with their programs and their plans and you know, they're, they're, they're all up in the community, right? You know, they have these, you know, clothing drives and food drives for the homeless and they'll go visit the elderly. And there's nothing wrong in any of that. But really what it is, is it's a mask to, to, to cover the, the, the deeper seated issue of the failure of their own consecration at a deep level to God. And so they, they take these works and acts of kindness and charity and they wrap it in religious jargon and say, we're doing this for the Lord. When the whole uh, uh, truth of the matter is, is God is pinpointing you're a rebellious and idolatrous people and, and you have not obeyed me. I don't care what you call it. He says to obey is better than sacrifice that's i think that's what you guys are saying right <laughs> yes absolutely i mean absolutely. we even have shepherds today that entice people to come today we're going to be giving out a new car today we're going to, <laughs> i'm telling you it's happening oh shoot i, I uh, could have used pay. one of, i wish i would have known i would have <laughs> <laughs> you know and helping and helping their community but you're but you're right these are um, this is a mask because of their failure. So now they have to entice people, come, and we're going to be handing out cash today. Yes, We're going yeah. to be handing out a new – it's happening. And it's, right. it looks good, right, to the eye. Wow, this is a church that's using the money. Well, they got millions to spare. They're not giving you – Right, this. exactly. <laughs> you know, but anyway. So check – so look, look, look at how Samuel responds to this. While, while Saul is telling him all this stuff, it, we come to verse 16. And it says, then Samuel said to Saul, shut up. <laughs> King James, the King James uses the word stay. Right? Samuel said to Saul, stay. You know, that really that's interpreted as, as shut up, man. I mean, that's basically what he says. I'm so sick of you people. I'm so sick yeah. of you clothing this, your pseudo gospel uh, as, as, as a reflection of how benevolent and holy you are when the truth of the matter is, he says, 
I'm going to tell you what God told me about you tonight. That's what he goes on to say, right? Samuel says to Saul, listen. He tells him, shut up. I'm going to tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And Samuel says, oh, (laughs) say on, right? Go ahead then. You know, he shuts him up. And what I want to point out here is what the Lord was revealing to me is, you know, he exercises his spiritual authority over the king. This is intense. This is the leader of a nation now. This is the leadership. This isn't some, you know, valet parking attendant in in in, in the megachurch. You know, he's not some yellow vest wearing, uh, uh, flashlight positioning. Uh, parking attendant here he's talking to the senior <laughs> pastor of yes, the mega church right and he says shut up you need to shut up is what he said and he exercises spiritual authority over him and and that authority remember was born out of all night prayer and a lifetime of consecration to god when god's servants <laughs> oh god my lord when God's servants, and that's what's coming right now, brothers, the spirit of Elijah, all of it yes. has been prophesied. A whole generation of people that are the discontented, the disgruntled, and the formerly despaired are about to rise up in the authority uh, of the Holy Spirit and say, shut up, thus saith yes. the Lord. That's what Samuel did. And, 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 and he exercised the spiritual authority over the king. And I want to say something like like Samuel did, man. Today's remnant doesn't need to be afraid of, of today's souls. I want to tell you that. The Lord's authority is on your side. You don't have to be afraid of them anymore. They've had their season. They've had their last 120 years. They've made a mess of everything. And the reason this society, man, the reason this culture is in a mess, it is not the politicians as horrible as they are. It's not any of the institutions of the military or the political agenda or the machine uh, of all that is foundational in the structure of culture at large. It is in the failure of the souls of this world, of the leadership of the mega church senior pastors and all their little lackeys beneath them and the compromised congregations that have brought the nation to the place where it's at. If you were so full of the Holy Ghost, we wouldn't have abortion mills across this country in all 50 states pumping out over 2 million abortions a year. You would never have right. a climate where a Jeffrey Epstein can can rise in the midst of a nation in, in all his evil and create the largest pedophile and sex trafficking ring in the world. You would never have a Clinton, uh, a Hillary or a bill that so uh, unleashed a, 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 a storm of filth in, in the compromise that that chipped away at the very moral foundation and fabric of this country. You have an abrogation of spiritual authority because the same authority that should have been a light, like a Saul in the congregation, became just as dark as the ones that they were supposed to change. And God is sending his Samuels now. And you don't need to be afraid of them. They have no authority. You have the Lord's authority on your side. You have the Lord's profound authority. You have his word and you have his commandment and you've received it in that hidden shut away place of intercession, lament, anger, sadness, all of it mixed in as God has placed his authority on you. That's what you're feeling, church. 
That's what you're feeling, preacher. You're feeling that stirring. You're feeling that movement. It is him that's working in you for such a time as this. And unlike today's Saul's who've been building monuments to themselves and, and they don't think anything of, of hanging out in, in the holy sacred places uh, in their rebellion, like the Saul and the people were at Gilgal, there is a true remnant. There is who, like Samuel, you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel this, man. There is a group of people out there, man. <laughs> You've been before the Lord. It's been a long night, our generation, our time. Look where we are right now, man. I mean, <laughs> it's been a long night, man. The whole world is in turmoil. But you've been shut away with him. I know by the Spirit that you've been seeking the Lord and that you've been grieved by what you see. Yeah. But like Samuel, man, I'm telling you right now, there is a light that's that's beginning to break over the horizon. Hallelujah. It's like the early dawn that Samuel woke up in. It, it's the sun of the Holy Spirit. And it's begun to, to illuminate. It's beginning to expose. It's beginning to confront this failed leadership and its congregation and the compromise of the sin that has brought the nation right to where it is. Samuel would go on to tell him in verse 23, right? Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, man. Stubbornness is like idolatry. And he tells them, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. That's what he told him in verse 23. And that is what God is sounding the alarm to this false leadership that has governed a group of people right to the precipice of the cliff that leads to the valley of hell, man. It's a congregation that is compromised in the spirit of Agag, the Amalekites, call it the spirit of Antichrist, whatever you want. It has been fully embraced. This world has been brought up into their churches and their ministries. And the time is over. Then came the word of the Lord Samuel. Separation is concluding. It's concluding now. As we're beginning to be let out, I'm letting you know that this separation is like this terror is taking place. In verse 24, Saul says to Samuel, after he confronts him with what we've been talking about, he says, I have sinned. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and, and, and your words because I feared the people. I obeyed their voice. Man pleasers, right? I mean, that's what he's saying. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a man pleaser. But he's always deflecting, right? He's always, he's always denying. And so they always deflect and they always deny. But really, it's a fake repentance because he didn't even admit he had done anything wrong until he heard that God from Samuel's lips had rejected his leadership. And it was only because he didn't want to lose his place, his standing, his offerings, his Learjets <laughs> go down the list. It's a pseudo fake repentance in verse 24. And then he says in verse 25, he tells Samuel, uh, okay, uh, uh, pray for me. Pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And, and 
and what God is revealing here because of what Samuel goes on to say, he rejects him. He says, I won't go worship God with you. This is what's happening now. You can no longer hang out in that ultra-exposed falseness that we have seen so glaringly put before us in the Pentecostal hypercharismatic community over these last 12 weeks with their false prophets and their false words and their quest to reopen their ministries because they're beginning to feel the pinch of the lack of, of, of all that they've been used to. They were feasting high on the hog. They've attached themselves to a political administration uh, in this country, whether it be Democrat or Republican, it's all the kingdoms of men. They've taken Agag into the midst. Oh, my God. See, you don't want to hear the word of God. <laughs> People don't want to hear the word of God. Right. 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 They don't want to hear it, man. But we're going to say it. And we're going to say it because that is what the Lord is saying. Whether they'll admit it, whether they'll receive it, we cannot fellowship with them anymore. And that's what we see Brother Samuel do. He Saul says, turn with me. And Samuel rejected him. Just like today's false leaders, false gospel, and false congregations are being rejected by the Lord. He tells them in verse 26, I will not return with you because you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you. He reemphasizes it from being king over Israel. And then he turns to walk away. And would you read verse 27, Jeremy, to us? Verse 27, 1 Samuel 15, 27. Yes. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. Samuel begins to break fellowship, and, and, and Saul turns and grabs his mantle, that prophetic mantle. See, they're going to aggressively try to hold on to power, right? They will aggressively right. seek to hold on to their power. But the word of the Lord to them today is like what Samuel said to Saul back then. Would you read verse 28, Brother Jeremy? And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Yes, he's taken the kingdom from you, Saul. And he's given it to someone far better than you. Mm. Brothers and sisters, someone better than than you, he tells the false church today, someone better than you is coming. We know that's the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Yes, we know that right. it is our Lord and our Savior. And 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 I'm just going quickly through this, but what it read verse thirty five, just that first part there, Brother Jeremy would and, and Samuel came no more to see Saul unto the day of his death. This Nevertheless, is yes, this is the permanent breaking of the fellowship, and that's what's taking place right now, if you have eyes to see. And in case you hadn't seen it before, this, this global crisis, man, it's fully exposed all these so-called leaders. They have no yeah. power, no authority, no insight, no word. And and a cry is sounding loud. I can hear it. It's clear now. One better than you 
is coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he executes the Lord, our God. He executes his will. He obeys the Lord. He obeys the Lord's will perfectly. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is coming. And and yes. he will not fail to put an end to Amalek and all his souls, man. We're looking for a better kingdom. We're looking for a yes. true king. We're looking yes. for a true leader in God's house. And yes. he's coming again soon. And yes. I warn you to really take an assessment of where we are. They're yes. trying to make business come back as usual. But it's a ruse. We have reached that point like Samuel did where it said, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel. God is speaking to his people. God is speaking to you, preacher. God is speaking to you, mama. God is speaking to you, father. God is speaking to you, remnant church. Do not fear these souls. They will become worse and they will be testified like what was testified of Samuel. The spirit of the Lord departed him. And was no longer with him. But come out from among them, the Lord said. Prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Because yeah. the coming of the Lord is at hand. And one far greater, the true king, our heavenly David, is soon to come. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Go ahead, brothers. <clears throat> well, he is coming back <clears throat> on a silver cloud of glory. Hallelujah. Um, I sense his presence. And I know that God is dealing with the hearts. I know that God is dealing with your heart today as on this Friday. But God is speaking to us. Get ready. Let's heed to the admonition of the Lord today. We pray that you have been blessed. We pray that you have a, a weekend once again. We would, uh, our mothers, we wish them a happy Mother's Day. And we look forward to being back with you, Lord willing, back on Monday. But once again, take heed to the word. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.